Thank you, thank you, thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. We ask that the Holy Spirit open up our heart and that you speak to us individually and corporately as a church, that we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And I thank you for it, and I praise you for it. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. I really, really wanted to continue with the theme of rest, but the Lord wouldn't let me do that. I have something else I want to share tonight, so I want to say this. Do it. That's the rest of the story. Do it. Uh, it's not enough to, to know what you need to do. Your, your gas gauge tells you to put gas in your car, but it's not enough for you to know you need gas. You actually need to stop and put gas in your car. You'll end up walking. It's not enough to know we need to slow down. We need to slow down. We need to enjoy the moment. We need to spend time with family and friends and do the things that really matter. So just, just do it. Don't make me come back and speak another message. <laughs> Tonight I want to talk about the story of us. I don't know if you know this or not, but the majority of this book is stories. And the stories are people just like you and I. They are not superhuman. They have faults and flaws, and everybody that God used in any spectacular way had faults and flaws. The characters in here remind us of people we know. But we have a real propensity, a real uh, standard that when we read the Bible, we kind of separate ourselves from them, and we think to ourselves, how could they do that? Have you never read the children of Israel and God did all these miracles in their life, and then the next thing you know, they're doubting. And you think to yourself, what a bunch of idiots. It's, it's, they just got delivered. How, how could they do that? Well, I have a question for you. How can you do it? Because the truth of the matter is, God has done so many things in our lives, and we so easily get caught up in the moment that we forget how he delivered us last week or what he did for us a week ago, or a day ago, or an hour ago. So this is going to be called the story of us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, in the Message Bible. I want to read this. These are all warning markers, danger, in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. I love that. These are examples, it says in the King James, that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They are the beginning, we are at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Listen, you know, if you want to blame somebody for the mess in our world, blame Adam. But the truth of the matter is, if Adam hadn't messed it up, one of us would have. Thank you for your thunderous applause. I, I, I know you guys really want me to talk to the drug addicts and the alcoholics because you're not dead anymore, but I'd rather talk about us. <laughs> All of us are guilty. And one of the things I love about the Word of God is that it's alive. And I can be teaching on marriage and make one comment about finances and have somebody come up and go, that's the best message on finance I ever heard. And I can have one person who's broke down and crying and repentive and another person jumping up and down and shouting, and it's the same message. <clears throat> because the Word of God will reach you where you are. 
Now, I want you to think about this. This is one of the most powerful things I will say tonight, but I need you to grasp it. Is that when you read the Word of God, you need to put yourself in the story because the story is of us. The, these things were our examples, and they're written so that we can see us. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I'm going to pick on the guys first. Sometimes in the story, I'm David slaying the giant. Man, I have rocked the world. I have stood up, made a stand for my family, defeated the enemy. I'm David whooping up on Goliath. You guys don't ever get there? Sad for you to read the story. You never put yourself in it like that. <clears throat> but sometimes we're David looking at things we shouldn't be looking at. Sometimes you women are Esther, and you're making a stand for your whole family. And sometimes you're Rebecca, favoring a child and deceiving your husband. You see, I, I know I wouldn't get a bunch of amens out of that. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you can read the story, and one time you're the good guy, and the next time you're the bad guy. You can read the story, and one time you're this player in the scene, and another time you're that player in the scene. Because the Word of God is alive. The Word of God has the ability to help us. And these, all these stories are not written just to give us something to read, some bedtime stories to read to our children. The Scripture says these things were written down for our example. They're written down as a warning sign so that we don't repeat their mistakes, and yet we continually repeat their mistakes. And I think it's because we have this idea when we read the Word of God, that's them. That's not us. We do, we do the same thing with the news. That happens to people in California. It doesn't happen to people in Durant. That happens to people in New York. That doesn't happen to people in the South. We have a real tendency to separate ourselves from the rest of mankind, but the last I checked, you're still human. And we're all capable of the same mistakes, but we're also all capable of the same victories. And there's a story I want to read, and it's a story about a person and a people, but it's about us. And I, I can't get away from it. I, I, I've tried to, Lord, let, let me finish this right here, and he just won't let me get away from it. So I have to do this, but as we read it, I implore you, put yourself in the story. And don't distance yourself as if this has nothing to do with you. Because the truth of the matter is, it has everything to do with you. That's why it's written. Okay. I get it. I got all kinds of time. You'll catch up with me. <laughs> Judges, chapter 6. And I'm reading from the New, Kings, New King James, verse 1 and then verse 10. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Verse 10. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now, in between those two verses, <clears throat> they were attacked by the Midianites. 
Everything they had was taken. Every time they tried to do something, their stock was stolen. The Midianites would come in. And I have a question for you, because the Scriptures gave us the reason the enemy was beating them up. What was the reason, the Bible says, that the enemy had power over them? I'll answer it. Because they did evil in the sight of the Lord and because they wouldn't obey his voice. Now, that's not like none of us. We always do what God tells us to do. And then there's this phrase. I don't know if if stuff catches you like it catches me, but, but there's this phrase, they did evil in the sight of the Lord And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midianites. What does that mean? Did he like drive them in a taxi to their, to the Midianites' camp? He he delivered them like a pizza. (laughs) Those things catch me. The word deliver does mean to deliver. It does mean to save. There's about 15 or 16 different definitions It's widely used, but it's the word we use, delivered. But in this particular text, it means he granted or suffered. Do you remember the scripture that says, suffer the little children to come unto me? What what, what does that mean? He was crying? It was painful for the children to come to him? No, it means let them. He he let them go into the hands of of the Midians. He granted them the ability to do what they wanted to do. I want you to see this principle. One of the worst things that can happen to you is for God to let you have your way. Well, I'm not sure you got that. You're luring me off into a false sense of security. One of the worst judgments God can give to a people or a person is for you to talk him into what you want and God letting you do what you want versus what you need. God letting you have what you want versus what you actually need. I, 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 I want some more money. No, you need to discipline the money you have now. What I really need is a spouse. That silence you hear when you pray is the mercy of God. (laughs) He let them go. Do you know when we do evil, when we sin, we come out from the covering, the protective covering of God, but then we get mad at God for the consequences of our own choices. Okay, I, 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 must be speaking, I must be speaking to someone else, but, but that's okay. Again, I have all night. We make choices. God has spoke to us. We know things we're supposed to do, and we won't do it, but then we get mad when the consequences show up. We are notorious for hearing the Holy Spirit say, don't go there. And we go there anyway, and then I get a phone call. The police are here, the lawyers are here, the doctors are here, all this is going on. 
um, please, please pray for me. I prayed for you earlier to have wisdom and you didn't listen. I need to pray now for mercy. It's very clear. And the reason this is important, because of the rest of the story, we know very well. And we're going to share the rest of the story. But we know about Gideon. We know about the angel of the Lord. We know about him being called a mighty man of valor. But we hear him whining and complaining, and yet the scripture is clear why the Midianites were overtaking him. They did evil, and they wouldn't listen, and God let them go their way. And yet, between verse 1 and verse 10, God is still encouraging. God still tells them, didn't I deliver you from the Amorites? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? In the midst of their rebellion, God is still saying, didn't I do this for you? All you have to do is come back to me. All you have to do is listen to what I have to say. Now, most of you probably wouldn't admit to direct rebellion to the word of the Lord. If I asked you, I'm doing what God has told me to do, and I would challenge that. We know we're supposed to pray. Do we pray like we need to pray, or do we just pray when we need an answer, when we want God to move for us? We know we're supposed to tithe, but do we tithe? <laughs> Pastor, would you please get back to the drug addicts and the alcohol? It's just much easier. We know we're supposed to praise our wife and bless our wife. Her, her children rise up and calleth her blessed. Her husband also, also what? Causes, calls her blessed and praiseth her. Where do you think your children learn how to bless their mom? So I'm just saying, we know some things we're supposed to do, but we don't even do those. And then we hear God say, don't do things, and we do those. And then we get mad at God because it doesn't go our way. Coming out from under God's covering is equivalent to standing in a river called blessed, facing the wrong direction. And you can see your blessing go by because you're facing the wrong way. Disobeying God is standing in the river of blessing faced the wrong way. And all God is saying is, turn in the river. Stop telling me what to do. You're so legalistic. You're so narrow-minded. Okay. <laughs> Just a reference. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 20. Again, the children of Israel want something. And God doesn't really want them to have it, but they're persistent. We want a king. We're tired of being a nation that doesn't have a king. We want a king like all the other nations. Remember, these are our examples. We're, we're tired of being so different than the rest of the world. We want to look like the rest of the world. We want to act like the rest of the world. We're tired of being called goody-two-shoes. 
We're tired of being persecuted for being Christians. We're, we're, we're tired that we're so separate from everybody. We want to be like the world. That was their complaint. We want a king. And the prophet was angry because they wanted a king. He said, you need to heed and do what they want. But tell them ahead of time what's going to happen when they get that king. And you need to go read it for yourself. It is so pointed. And the red light and warning signs should have come up everywhere for them to go, we, we, we decide we don't want a king. Instead, they pursued it. The prophet says to them, when you get your king, he is going to take the best land. He's going to take your animals. He's going to take your crops. He's going to take your children and your men and your women, and they're going to become his servants, and you're going to become his slaves. And it goes on and on. And they said, no, we want a king. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at that and I go, what's wrong with them? But the truth is, what's wrong with us? We're trying so hard to be like the world so we can fit in when God made us to stand out. I don't want to look like the world. I want people to think I'm odd. That would be a great compliment, to be different. That, that people would look at your life and go, I like what I see. I want to be like that. Now, it hasn't happened in about, I don't know, five months or so. But when I go to Walmart, people ask me what I'm on. I love that. At first, it used to just kind of shock me. What do you mean, what am I on? Well, you're just so happy. What are you taking? I mean, I'd be standing in line and people freaking out because they're in a big old hurry and somebody's got a bunch of stuff and they're just getting all upset. And it comes my time and the lady apologizes for taking so long. And I'll say something like, I don't sweat the small things. Life's way too short to get upset about stuff like that. And so I get my, and the person comes and follows me out and says, What are you on? I'm on a high. Do you want some? I can help you out. This is the story. And you know what? God gave them what they wanted. It was the worst thing that could have happened to them. is for them to get what they wanted. But that's the story of us. And we have to be careful what we try to talk God into. Because you can actually cry, whine, murmur, and complain long enough that God will say, okay. Here's what's going to happen when you do that. But if that's what you want. And we need to know that God loves us enough that he will always put up the warning signs. He will always give us examples that said, don't do that. That's not to your benefit. Now let's go back to Judges and now let's read the story. Because we know why now they're being attacked by the Midianites. We know why they're losing the battle. But listen to what happens. Verse 11, and now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth tree, which was at Ophrah, uh, which belonged to Joash, that person there. And his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And this is the story we all know. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him 
and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now let me ask you something. You're afraid. You've heard all about God's goodness. And you're afraid of the Midianites, and an angel of the Lord shows up. Would you not be encouraged? Would you not think, ha-ha, the victory is ours? Listen to what he says, because this is exactly how we respond. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord. Well, he might not have said it like that, but he did say, oh, my Lord. Listen, if the Lord is with us, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? What's the answer? Because they did evil and they wouldn't obey God. But he's frustrated at God as if it's God's fault. Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I have been in this Christian walk a long time now. And I have seen God do incredible things in this house and other church buildings that I've been in, other people I've been connected to. And the instant there's trouble in the house, this is what I hear almost every time. Some version of this comment. If the Lord is with us, if God is really God and really alive, if God is real, then why has all this happened to me? My first funeral was with two 15-year-old boys who were huffing Freon in a camper. And because they didn't do it right, one of them died in front of the other one, killed him dead. And the first comment was to me, why did God take him? No, no, you didn't get it. God didn't have anything to do with that boy dying. That boy made a choice that was sad, and it resulted in death. And yet, God got the blame. Why did God take him? People can drink for 40 years and then get in a car wreck, and it kills them. And I will be asked, why did God take them? See, this story isn't about some children of Israel and Gideon. This story is the story of us. We're prone to these comments. If the Lord is with us, then why has all this befallen us? Now, there's some questions, and you have to hear the questions because God answers the question, but in a way you wouldn't think. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles? I talk to people all the time who have never believed God to get past a headache, but now they want to believe to overcome cancer. Okay, I know this is hard, but listen, we need to grow up. 
we need to realize God is still in the miracle business, but we can't do stupid and then wonder why we don't see a miracle. Okay. It's all right. I got my big boy pants on. It's going to be okay. I can handle it. Where are all his miracles? Listen to the the kind of questioning here. Did the Lord really bring us out of Egypt? That's like saying, did I really get delivered from drugs and alcohol? See, I've been out of that for so long that I have to think about that life. I have to think about where I was then. But I never forget where I came from. I never forget the power of God to restore my marriage. I never forget the power of God to deliver me from living it up because it was killing me. I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to live it up like the world says you need to do this to have fun and you live it up and you're dying? Yeah. I have not forgot where I came from. Where are all his miracles? Did the Lord really bring us out of Egypt? The Lord has forsaken us. We are some of the most impatient people in history. We are so used to instantaneous. And you, I've been very, very honest, so you can put it down as Lee, Lee's pet peeve. It makes me flat out angry that people will stand in a line all night long to get a phone that's 11 seconds faster than the last one. Are you kidding me? We have doors that open automatically because we don't want to have to wait. We have drive through so we can get our food right now because we're so starving. I mean, it's been like a whole two hours since we ate last. We have got to the place where if we text somebody and they don't answer us right back, we get mad. Like everybody is sitting around, where's my next text? Am I, does somebody care about me? Does anybody, please text me. If I don't answer you, I'm busy. I'm trying to change the world. I might not answer your text for a little while. Get over yourself. I'm old. We waited 10 days for a letter to come across town. And we did okay. We survived. We are so impatient. And we think the Lord's forsaken us if we've prayed for two days and haven't got an answer. Do you know about the law of sowing and reaping? You sow and then you reap. Let's just say you sowed something you don't like. I don't like eggplant. Been very honest about that. Even the animals won't eat eggplant. It's, it's terrible. It's a disease. But if I sowed eggplant, I'm going to reap eggplant. So people are sowing to their life, but they don't like their life. So the simplicity is sow something else, right? The problem is this. If I dig up the eggplant, that's called repentance, and I sow corn, that's good things. I can't eat corn the next day. It takes a little bit of time for the new seed to come up, right? People are, go ahead, that's good. It, it'll change lives. People have sowed 40 years of stupid. And then they come along and get some wisdom, and two days later they can't figure out why they're not teaching science in a college class. 
the Lord has forsaken us. No, it takes time to change some of the synapsis ruts in your brain. We, we call those, in natural terms, habits. It takes time to change those things. The Lord has forsaken us. No, you did evil, and you wouldn't listen to God, and now you're in a mess, and God is trying to help you out, and all you're doing is arguing with God, angry at God for decisions that they made. Crazy people, none of us are like that. And the Lord answers. This is awesome. And the Lord turned to him and said to Gideon, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now listen, the Lord has actually said to all of you more times than you can count through different messages you are the answer to the world's problems. God has sent you. Jesus said in John 20, I think it's verse 21, as I have been sent, so send I you. And you know what the church does? The church prays for people to come in when we've been told to go out. And we wonder why nobody's coming. We have been told, go. We have been told, the Lord is with you. But listen to what Gideon says, and I know none of you have ever thought this or ever had this concern or ever even went this direction. So he, say, he says it again, Oh, my Lord. That must have been his catchphrase. <laughs> oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, I know most people haven't done enough history study to know but basically what he said was, because Manasseh was the smallest of all the tribes, his family was the smallest within that particular tribe, and he was the smallest in his family. So here's what he said. God said, go in this thy might. What I've called you to do, you go. I am with you. And he said, I can't go. I'm the least of the least of the least. <laughs> I know none of you have ever said that. I could never make a difference. I don't know enough scripture. I could never make a difference. I, I, I'm, I'm a small. I'm a woman. I'm a man. I'm black. I'm white. I'm a girl. I'm a boy. I'm 15. We have more excuses than we care to talk about. I love reading the story, but I love reading it like you do. Oh, man, Gideon was a sorry sucker. He just... I mean, he must have been a sad dude that God's calling him a mighty man of valor. And he's like, uh, I'm just, I just, I, I don't know. He's us. This is the story of us. You know why we're not making a difference in our world? Because we don't believe any more than Gideon believed. We want to tell the Lord why he can't use us. Do you know, I, I can't sing. I like to sing. I make a joyful noise at best. I like to sing, but when I hear people who can really sing, and I just, I'm so blessed by our praise team and so on. Amen. You need to make sure to tell them more often. They work really, really hard, practice a lot of hours to, to do that for us, and they do a great job of it. 
But that's not my might. Singing is not, the Lord didn't say to me, go sing. Thank goodness for y'all. You need to be grateful. The Lord gave me the ability to talk. And it doesn't sound like much, but it's changing thousands of lives. But it only is changing thousands of lives because I said yes. Do you think I'm not scared? Do you think I don't deal with intimidation? You ought to look at y'all. I mean, so some of you, bless y'all's heart. I'm looking out here, it's like, you know, that, remember that old commercial, go ahead, make my day. You, you don't understand. Every time I get up to speak, I have butterflies. And just before I speak, them butterflies turn into dinosaurs. But it's a part of the way I know it's God and not me. I know if God doesn't show up, I'm going to fall flat on my face. So all I've done is believed what God said. Go in this thy might. I gave you the ability to talk, so go talk. I have sent you. And I had the same excuses. Lord, there's people way more eloquent than me. I truly believe when I look at this, I wasn't God's first choice for this. I just was the first choice that said, yes. See, you've heard my phrase, but you need to think it out. I'm not the smartest knife in the drawer. I just outlasted everybody else. I'm like the guy on the football team that's too small, drops the ball every time they give it to him, is afraid of getting hit, but everybody else has been hurt, so they have to send him in because he stuck it out. I have a might that God gave me. You have a might that God gave you. Go in this, thy might. Haven't I sent you? And stop making excuses. Because here's the truth. Remember he asked the question, is the Lord with us? He's forsaken us. Is is the Lord really with us? Colossians 1.27, the Bible says, that Jesus, the hope of glory, is in you. So they need to see you because the Lord is in you. When you go in this your might, people see Jesus. When you stay here, all they see is closed doors of a building. Right? Why has all this happened to us? Why has all this gone wrong? Romans 10 14, and 15. The miracles are in you. Do you know why more people aren't getting healed than are getting healed? Because we're not praying more. Ginger has a relative. His name's Terry Bice. He's one of the most godly men I've, I've ever known. He's seen more miracles than probably even Oral Roberts. Incredible man of God. And I asked him one time, why do you see so many miracles? His answer was, Incredible. He said, I pray for more people than anybody I know. That's so simplistic. Why are you changing lives? Because I'm praying for more people than most of the people I'm connected to. The miracle is in you, in me, going out and sharing what God has done in and through us. It's it's not going to, we keep thinking if they find Noah's Ark, that'll that'll be it, man. 
If they finally find Noah's Ark, man, people just are going to get saved by the thousands. I saw pictures of the chariot wheels in the Red Sea where the army tried to go across and the waters came in. I've seen pictures of the chariot wheels because the gold doesn't rust like steel. Hasn't saved a soul. Hasn't helped anybody. It isn't going to change the world if they find Noah's Ark. If they found the tablets of the Ten Commandments, it wouldn't change. God didn't call those things to change people. He called us to change people. Did, did God really deliver us out of Egypt? You are the witness of God's deliverance. When I tell my story, people can't believe where I was at because all they see is me now. When I tell them of our marriage and we're honest about how terrible our marriage was before Christ came in, it was terrible, saints. You, you would not be proud to say that, that's my pastor. It was awful. And yet God came in and did a miraculous work in our marriage. And when I tell people, I am a witness to God's ability to deliver. You don't have to be hooked on drugs because I was hooked and now I'm not. You don't have to have a terrible marriage because I had one and now I don't. You are God's answer. You are God's witness to the world that he is the deliverer. And then you are God's ambassador, letting people know that God is still with us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the bottom line. Let me just cut to the chase. We have the same questions today that those people have, because this is the story of us. Where is the Lord? Where are his miracles if God is really with us, did he really deliver us? I'm sure he's forsaken us. I run across that everywhere. And the answer to those things is in you and I. See, we, we, we want to believe that God's going to send somebody else. That it's going to take a Reinhard Bonnke, or it's going to take another Earl Roberts, or it's going to take a Joel Olstein. And actuality, it's going to take you and I we got to stop whining and complaining about the laws being passed and stand up and let our voice be heard. Amen. We need to get into discussions with people, not arguments. I'm not trying to, to whip up on anybody, but I will challenge anybody's thinking because somebody needs to challenge it. Amen. Somebody needs to say, have you thought about this? Someone needs to say, if that's the answer, then what about this? Like, like... Can, this is going to get me in trouble, but it's so simplistic to me. I love the gays and the lesbians more than they love themselves. Because if you took their path and followed it all the way out, they will be dead inside of a generation. If you put all the gays on an island here and all the lesbians on an island here, inside of a generation, they will have died out because there is no way for them to procreate. Period. And anything that's natural can reproduce of itself. The only way they can have kids is if they go back to doing it the way God says. So it's real simple. I just challenge people. Well, you know, I, I think I was supposed to be this, and 
I'm supposed to be a woman. And, you know, there are worms that change when, when there's all males and there's frogs that change. And I was like, okay, change. I'll watch. <laughs> Somebody needs to start standing up and being a voice for reason and a voice for truth. God's answer to all their problems has always been the same thing. People of God obeying God, period. The answer to the world is Christians standing up and doing what God told them to do and not apologizing for it. I'm, yeah, go ahead. If I have to take my wife out to eat and listen to somebody cuss and swear and tell all kinds of stupid stuff, he's going to have to listen to me pray. I'm not going to apologize for that. Stop being those Christians that pray while they drop their napkin. Father, bless this food in Jesus' name. Get some Holy Ghost guts about you. Pray. But, but, but don't, be, don't be stupid. Don't, don't, I'm, I'm fixing to pray. Everybody needs to be quiet. Oh, shut up. No. Just pray. Pray with your children. Share stories of what God's doing. People need to hear you live your Christian life out loud. And they need to hear you fess up when you mess up. Stop acting like you're so much better than them because you still have doubts. Let them know you still have doubts. Let them know you're still working through things. People need to know you don't have all the answers, but you know who the answer is. Amen. All right, I'm done.